1: Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023, and I am your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CWs, The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Rejasinger. What's happening, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz.
2: Welcome back, Central City and uh, Gotham City as well.
1: Tangentially, sure. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 9, Episode 3, which was was titled Rogues of War and aired on February twenty second, 2023. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Barry and Iris start to put together the pieces of what's happening in Central City and believe they know what the new Rogues are after. Team Flash works together and recruits some unlikely allies to help, but the plan does not go as Team Flash expects. Meanwhile, Allegra does her best to avoid having a conversation with Chester. Slightly shorter than last week, but still a lot of stuff there in that uh, plot synopsis. Anyway, we open with a heist at Corbin Taft Industries, uh, a name which means nothing to me. I'm so accustomed to them, like throwing in Ted Cord or something that means something from DC Comics that when it just seems to be a totally chosen at random name, um, it really kind of throws me. Uh, Boomerang and Fiddler steal something as aided by Murmur who pops up out of nowhere. Meanwhile, in Paris, Barry and Iris are taking a cooking class. They excel at their assignment, thanks to using flash time, but are called away by an alert from Central City. Fairly standard way to open an episode, right? You get your cold open, then you cut to what our team is doing. Uh, Dimitri, what did you think about the surprise introduction of Murmur? And how do we feel about Iris improving her cooking skills? That creme brulee looked fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess... um... Because Barry's been such a Boy Scout, like, I don't recall him ever doing anything, like, remotely cheating using his speed. So th- I feel like this is the first time we've seen him, uh, like, sort of, even though it's, like, this, like, goofy, like, you know, throwaway moment. It's, like, the first time we've seen him, like, sort of used his speed to gain like a quote unquote unfair advantage, which I thought was interesting. Um but by and large it was just, you know, it was a cute scene. Um I gonna be honest, I had forgotten all about Murmur. Um
2: No, we, none of us
0: remember Murmur. Yeah, I I've
2: I've forgotten all these people. No 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 you can't have forgotten someone we didn't meet
0: I, I mean like the... We don't know Murmur. I mean, I mean like, so we, we meet right? a lot of people in we've this episode who are, who are throwbacks, and I'm just like, who? No, we've never met
1: Murmur, right, Professor? I don't recall ever having seen him before, but let's face it, we're, we're nine seasons in. There have been plenty of metas of the week. So I was thinking to myself, is this someone I don't remember?
2: No, we've what? never met But we would have 100—well, 100... okay. There are many that we would forget. Let's be real. Oh, but right, we you know would what? remember— a a a, a meta-human supervillain that communicates via sign language. Like, that is memorable. Like, we have never met Murmur, even though they made it seem like, oh, yeah, I wrote an article about Murmur's killing spree just last year. Like, this is another one of those situations where they're telling us stuff that happens, like, in the off-season when the show is not on. Like, when their life goes on and, and you know, the camera fades to black... And that kind of stuff. Like this is what happened. Like we were not privy to anything. Murmur.
0: Okay. All right. I feel better now because I was just like, do I need to dig through past episodes? I mean, no. It. It. Yeah. Um. But you know, uh, she was cool. I. I thought I it was wish- gonna end up
2: being the guy because I, I, we see her in the promo. I thought it was gonna be the guy, the creepy guy that does the contortion stuff
0: oh yeah with the with the with the red dreads yes Um, and the mask and everything like he's
2: fantastic but then it was murmur which i mean you know
0: yeah 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 hopefully they they got um they got a a deaf cast member to play the role um but uh yeah uh i felt bad because i was like who sure okay um but uh but you know um I do think uh, of the villains, um, and I almost want to put that in quotes, Murmur had the best stage presence. I, I can't take Violin Lady seriously uh, <laughs> at all.
2: Is it the uh, Ronald
0: McDonald hair? It's it's all of it. It's all of it. Um, and this is before she said the sentence, see you in the mosh pits hot stuff. Like that's an actual sentence that an actual human being would say. Um but, they, made uh, her, they
1: made her thirsty. For the record my standard pickup line. I'm not saying it works well, but that is my standard pickup line.
0: I like
2: it. Fair they enough. made her thirsty in this episode. I, it was very strange.
0: Yeah. It, and I don't mind it, a ship,
2: but that was a that was that came out of nowhere.
0: It really this this whole episode, and I think it starts at the beginning. I don't want to get too into the weeds too early But this whole episode Really did feel Tonally confused Like y- You're doing too much of mixing The funny with Things that are supposed to be sinister And I can't take it seriously Anymore um, I think early on the flash was Great at like okay This is a funny moment This is a sinister moment You know um and, you know, allowing villains to really have that weight, even though it's a cutier show than, like, Arrow. But I think that really fell apart with this episode. I mean, it's fallen apart on this show for a while, but with this episode, it was especially bad.
1: Well, continuing the theme of tonal confusion at Star Labs, Chester tries to talk to Allegra, but she shuts him down because... This is still the Arrowverse, which means we have to stretch these things out, even if it is the final season. Uh, Keon brings some plants into the facility and senses the awkwardness. Last week, I said I wasn't a fan of Kion, uh, this sort of simple Jack portrayal of the wisdom of an incident. I didn't mind it as much this week, but I was oh. thinking about something that... Uh, Jeff said last week, which was the idea that she's going to be a weather controller. This episode makes me think she's going to be more of like a, a Gaia-like nature goddess in the making the way she was, you know, talking to plants and apparently learning their names. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on Keon or the uh, interminable Chester Allegra situation?
2: Oh, God. Okay, now that was not for Kion. Uh, I'm glad that you're stepping on over to the dark side, Professor, and uh, embracing Keon in, in all of her earthly um, wonder. Uh, okay, Chester and Allegra. It's funny how I've read so many articles about this is the final season and we don't have 20 episodes. We only have, I guess it's 13, and we can't stretch things out and we couldn't grieve for Caitlyn. But yet we're stretching out this ship. They kissed. It was a good kiss. Let them talk and get over their bullshit. Because this is now exhausting. Like, this is a ship that should have been a ship. Like, a season and a half ago. Like, it makes no sense that they're dragging this crap out when they clearly like each other. It's, this is, like, beyond stupid. And unlike Demetri, I actually did enjoy this episode, so even though I'm, like, bitching about this moment, it wasn't that it affected my entire experience of the episode, but it's just, it's so stupid. It makes no damn sense. Kion was wonderful and delightful. I agree with you, Professor. It seems as if she will be, um... Like a mother nature type of person you don't mess with mother nature uh, YouTube that uh commercial kids at home <laughs> It's kind of funny now if you if you look at it through uh modern day sensibilities but um but she was adorable uh I liked her um her observations they're using her as even though it's a familiar face as the outsider looking in. And uh, I, I enjoyed uh, her celestialness.
1: Barry and Iris meet up with Kramer at the crime scene and determine a temporal scanner was stolen, which is essential to build a cosmic treadmill. Uh, however, the new rogues are missing one major piece, a vibration engine. Shout out to Kramer. Nice to see her as an ally. Uh, it makes talking openly about, you know, Barry and his secret identity much easier, even though I did have notice there was a cop standing behind her at all times in shot. <laughs> right. So, Oh, you might want to think twice about giving out too much information. Uh, Barry and Iris meet up with Hartley. Turns out he wants the Vibration Engine too, but for his new gauntlets, Hartley suggests they keep the villains, to keep the villains from it, they have to steal it first, and suggest putting together a team of rogues to beat the bad guys to the punch. Okay, we have our major theme for the episode. Uh, I've always said I'm a fan of the rogues and the comics, and I like enlisting some of the old guard to fight the new whippersnappers. Dimitri, what did you think about the role Hartley's playing? Uh, I like the fact that he's vaguely antagonistic. He's not, you know, uh, completely friendly. He's, uh, you know, he's sort of like the, I'll help you, but I'll still be a dick about it, which felt to me, you know, I I kind of like that. I found it a refreshing take on, you know, an ally who's, you know, still kind of a jerk about it.
0: Yeah, um, I liked his ambiguity. Um, I think the, you know, the execution, the details sort of lose me a little bit. Um, you know the whole sort of villains, like the or the the ro- the reformed rogues. I don't know the the rogues on Barry's side. Um, kind of working like you know, kind of turning on him. But I thought the like the reason for turning on him was very flat. Um, was very sort of one dimensional. Like, oh, you don't trust us? Fine, we don't trust you. It's like. It, lo- it sounded like something that would happen on, like, an elementary school playground. But um, I do like that, uh, you know, you have, like, certain characters uh, who are, like, who seem a little bit more bought in. And certain characters where it's, like, it's hard to know um, where, uh, where their loyalties lie. Um, it kind of reminds me of one thing that I thought Arrow did really well. Um, which was uh, how they handled Diggle's. I think it was Diggle's brother, where you, you, it was sort of this: will he, won't he? In terms of his like morality, I do think that is a little refreshing. We're used to, especially this early in the season, seeing characters that are very black and white, and I do think, um, sort of, you know, while the while the actual implementation is a little iffy in terms of the writing. The fact that we have those characters on a show like The Flash is, I think, a a little bit of a breath of fresh air.
1: Barry and Hartley go out recruiting. He and Hartley easily recruit Jacko, the hotness, who's working at CC Jitters. They then go on to recruit Mark, who's still angry and resentful at Barry and Hartley, but he agrees because he says it's what Frost would want to do or would want him to do. Um, then, Hartley and Barry go to recruit their last member, Goldface, who has apparently sold out Amunet Black, which is very sad. I, I love those two together. Um, and it, it does mean that, you know, obviously, you know, Katie Sackhoff is busy doing uh, Mandalorian Season 3, but Galaxy still, far, far, been far nice away. To see. would have been nice to see Amunet have, back.
0: Professor, you say you liked them together. Yes! Uh, I'm curious, have we actually ever seen them together? Yes! Yes!
1: Yeah, we had a, a whole, you know, Pat I mean, Benatar, it where it was them. Um, yeah, w- but were they actually? Because I remember
0: him talking a lot about his love of Yeah, Yes, but they they what? did
2: a caper together, and they did the um Pat Benatar song,
0: and I think they the kidnapped song. Iris. Okay, okay, but they, weren't they apart for a lot of that episode? No, they like, were together oh, in that
2: episode. The last time we saw him, she was on the phone, uh, and this right, is when. Right.
0: Okay. There we go. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Okay. No, but before that, they had shenanigans together. Fair, fair. I was, I was thinking. I was like, you know, I like that pairing in terms of like a silly, goofy, uh, you know, comic booky pairing. But I was like, oh, but I remember seeing them, but like distinctly apart. Um. Yeah. I was also sad that he had sort of sort of sold her out. Um I was even though she was her- a meta human like, trafficker
2: and you have a problem with frost, but you don't have a problem with Aminette Black.
0: I do have a problem with Amunette Black, but you know, <laughs> them as a pairing I thought was like, okay. You know, sure. Neither of them are model citizens, but you know. Well clearly.
1: Jeff, let's talk the rogues. Uh, I enjoyed seeing Goldface in the hotness again. Uh, as I mentioned, I would love to see Amunet Black again, but it did set up, you know, that delightful line about book club because, you know what, call me old-fashioned, I like to see a rogue who spends quality time with their hench people. Uh, how did you like how the rogues were reintroduced and, you know, we were just talking about it, but the callbacks to past episodes?
2: Okay, I enjoy Amunet Black as well. I'm very sad that she's stuck in a galaxy far, far away, but she's making that uh, Star Wars money, so I can't really complain. Because let's be real, it's more money than the CW. I mean, am I right? I mean, let's just be honest. But anyway. Probably. Yeah. I still really don't... I mean, I understand that that's probably his comic book name, but the fact that he's the hotness is just... (laughs) I kind of can't with it. But anyway. um, Goldface was fantastic to see again. He has an incredible presence. And uh, we've been talking a lot about the height of actors on this show. I was like... Damn, Goldface is tall. Good grief. He was standing next to uh, Chill Blaine and the others, and he was, like, towering over them. Like, it, it was... I was like, are they the size of Cecile? like it was it was I was like, whoa i I never realized he was that tall. Uh, it was great to see his main hench person there, his right hand man, um just because he's like always been there whenever we've seen goldface. so it was great that they brought him back, even though he just had like a a tiny little moment of anything um but I mean, it was nice to see them back. Uh, I thought, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Why haven't they done this before? Just because, I mean, there have been several seasons and they could have done something like this early on. But anyway, another shoulda, coulda, woulda type of situation. Um, I don't really have anything else to say because I really want to get into what happens. Because I have a very strong opinion about issues with
1: trust. We will get into that. Uh, the newly put together team of rogues meets at Star Labs to work out their plan, but they're having some issues. Things come to a head when they ask about what happens to the engine. After all, this was supposed to be a heist, right? And when you heist something, it's for the money. They all want their cut of the score. As tensions rise, a fight nearly breaks out, but Barry shuts it down and says he's just going to stick with them. This leads the uh, rogues to basically say that Barry doesn't trust them, which, fair enough, he doesn't. <laughs> so they vote him off the team. Did not see that coming. I wouldn't be a heist without an unexpected twist. Dimitri, were you surprised that happened at this point in the episode? It seemed kind of early for the big twist in the heist to happen. And were you surprised that Barry didn't immediately go to his go-to move, which is going, okay, guys, here's the facts. I'm the Flash. So now you should trust me.
0: Honestly, yeah, I was waiting for that to happen. Um, this episode shattered expectations by having the criminals figure out he's the Flash rather than Barry just you know volunteering that without anyone really saying anything um i do think it was a nice twist i i did think everything was unfolding a little too like oh okay i need a team look all these bad guys will suddenly reform to work with me um and so i did like that you know the the tension in the team was sort of maintained throughout the episode Which is sort of a a refreshing, um, a refreshing sort of take on this kind of superhero trope. That being said, you know, if you remember the time that uh, Barry trusted Captain Cold and was then betrayed, it did seem strange that Barry, you know, wants to do essentially kind of a similar plan again and also. Like, I mean, I know out of universe, like, all these shows are canceled and the cast have probably moved on to other things, but Barry has, you know, super friends. Like, call Black Lightning. We would have loved to see Jefferson Pierce again. Like, you you have more options besides just these criminals. Um, so, you know, that uh, that was also... I mean, it didn't seem so... I wasn't sold on the fact that like the only people you can call are these people. Um they kind of gloss over it a little bit, but and I know it's kind of, you know, plot plot based and you know we wanted to, you know, give Barry his army of rogues, but it, I wish you would have sold me more on that being necessary.
1: Yeah, as I said before, I'm, I'm a little more forgiving of that because you know when you go into the comics there there is this tradition of the rogues stepping up to protect the city uh when the flash isn't around so i have a, a weakness for the idea of the, uh, the flat the the flash's rogues um you know unlike batman's rogues the flash's rogues sort of you know have that sense of that you know they're they're you know they're members of of central city and uh and they do protect the city on on multiple occasions so i kind of like that but you're right it 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 was sort of you know oh my god how are we gonna do this oh, i don't know why don't you just call supergirl uh, because, you know, she's part of this reality. Why don't you just have, you know, Dreamer come in or Brainiac come in or any of the other dozen or so characters, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, within the context of, of the show, um, you know, it, it didn't bother me as much. Um, and, and, you know, I did like, you know, getting a, a revisiting of, of, you know, rogues we haven't seen for a while.
0: Fair enough. You want to give us, like, a little bit of a background in the comics of the rogues? Because I actually didn't know that. And maybe well, our listeners a... don't either.
1: Yeah, there was, I mean, the, the the Flash's rogues, as I said before, are like, you know, very well-established, very colorful. And traditionally, the rogues have, you know, a code of honor. You know, the rogues don't kill. Um, and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it's always, you know, sort of, you know, the the Flash traditionally, and again, talking about Silver Age Flash here more than, uh, than contemporary Flash. Um, the rogues are sort of, you know, um, they're just in it for the money, uh, but they're not going to hurt anyone. And it's sort of like, you know, when they're caught by the Flash, sort of like, oh, well, fine, you got me. Um, so there's, a, it's, it's a very lighter, you know. As I say, it's, it's very much a Silver Age sort of a, approach to, uh, to the Rogues, which obviously has changed as you know everything becomes darker and grittier uh, in the contemporary sense. But there was a fairly famous one where you know Flash disappeared after you know one of the big crises or, or something like that, and uh, and the Rogues basically you know became the the defenders of Central City. You know, they banded together, you know, Captain Cold or Citizen Cold, as he was called at the time, uh, you know, and they were the ones who were protecting Central City from the uh, the alien threat that was uh, was threatening it. So I think there's a, a, a little echo of that in this of the uh, uh, of the rogue stepping up to protect the city, even if, you know, they were doing it for uh, less than noble reasons, as we'll see.
0: Got gotcha. so. Th- so they're kind of like traditionally usually a villain, but like a lighter villain that's kind of like Catwoman. Well, minus the, you know, romantic. Yeah,
1: actually, you know what? Catwoman is is a a, is a much better analogy than like when you think of of, of any of Batman's rogues and uh, Batman's rogues gallery. They're all basically psychopaths, mm. whereas uh, the Flash's rogues are are just you know people who are in it for the money. Gotcha, gotcha. Iris and Chester. Well, actually, before we leave, because it's
2: not going to make sense for me to mention it later on. For me. If I had a major bitch about this episode, it was the writing of that scene. And I get it. They had to do plot stuff so that later on there could be pay, like a payoff, in air quotes. But the writing was so stupid, in my opinion. Like, okay, so the rogues are like, oh, so this is what we're going to do? Okay, well... Like, I want the doodad. Well, no, I want the doodad, too. I want the doodad, three. I want the doodad, four. We're all going to fight for the doodad. And then Barry's like, oh, y'all want the doodad? But it's, like, for the greater good, and, like, it's for the world, and you're saving the world, and you're saving Central City. Wait, uh, you can't get the doodad. No one gets the doodad. Oh, wait, you don't trust me? Oh, you don't trust me, too? You don't trust me, three? You don't trust me, four? Y'all are talking about stealing the doodad, and you think he's going to trust you? Like, it just seemed so ridiculous to me, because, like, clearly, the four of them were being shifty and shady, and they wanted to steal the contraption for themselves. And so they got offended that Barry was thinking that he couldn't trust them when they were being untrustworthy. It just seemed ridiculous to me. And, like, Barry Allen is very self-righteous. We have spoken about him in the past in regards to how, you know, he is holier than thou, and he judges people, and he's more than likely in the wrong when he acts that way, but he was fully in the right this time around. And so when he has a whole, uh, you know, crisis of conscience later on, it made no damn sense because, yes, you didn't trust them because they were being untrustworthy.
1: Well, yeah, but they're criminals. You can't expect them to suddenly put that aside unless they realize they're doing that, you know. And again, you know, once Barry sort of reveals that he is the flash, spoiler alert, um, you know, and explains that he's doing this to, you know, to protect the timeline, that means a lot more because what Barry had said was that, you know, he was basically just in there as an undercover CSI, as if that's a thing. Um he's you know, the chemist. And, and they should trust the chemist, yes. And again, that was a nice callback because that was a fun episode. Um, but no, I, I, actually, I kind of accepted that. The fact that, you know, you have the, uh, the rogues would naturally react as well. No, we're doing this because we're going to steal something and we're going to get some money out of this. Right. Cause I'm a rogue. That's what I do. What was weird about it was that two out of the four. Well, technically three, as we'll see in a moment, uh, knew who Barry actually was. So it was like, this weird, uh, you know, vibe going on that, you know, uh, you know, Hartley and, uh, and Mark both un- both knew exactly who Barry was and were sort of like, Staring at him, just tempting him to, okay, go ahead, reveal yourself, reveal yourself. Um, and he didn't, which again, as as uh, as we said, you know some seemed a little odd because that has been Barry's go-to move for nine seasons. Um, but we will revisit uh, that uh, because obviously, uh, you know uh, that has to be resolved for the uh, the heist to take place. Meanwhile, Iris and Chester are figuring out the tech the bad rogues are using was all made by the same person, but they can't figure out the connection uh iris is stressed out she thinks there's no time uh, for her to accomplish anything she's looking for that one big story uh because once she has children she figures there won't be time for her to do that uh she feels like she needs to break that one big story uh iris convinces barry to trust the rogues and he races off meanwhile chester figures out the connection between the bad rogues their weapons are all prototypes from wayne enterprises uh which would have been such a huge reveal if it weren't for what i said last week If only we hadn't known who was behind the black, the red death. Mm -hmm. But I've always been a fan of embedding the show in the larger Arrowverse. So, uh, Jeff, let's talk about Iris, but also Barry and Iris. Um, What did you think about Iris's arc? Her sense that, uh, you know, uh, the sense that, you know, her, you know, she's going to become a parent. You know, her, she feels that her life is going to come to an end or at least change very significantly. But also we're getting a lot more West Allen this season than in the past couple of years. And how are you liking it?
2: Loving the West Island goodness, it's fantastic. They are the, um, I forget what they call themselves, the, you know, the, um, I don't remember now what the phrase is, but they're like the, the it couple in the Arrowverse. Uh, that's that's what the fans call them. And uh, so it's wonderful to see them together fighting the good fights and, uh, you know, making the difficult decisions or the right decisions in regards to what. Needs to happen in their lives. What was fascinating about Iris's story for me in this episode is that her story was very real. It's very real world. You know, she's a young woman who is going to be venturing into motherhood, and she's questioning if she's going to still have time. If she only had time to do stuff, uh, you know, she's got to get those uh, Pulitzer prizes. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't grow on trees, but apparently they do in the Arrowverse. And she knows she's going to get two, so she feels like she needs to break the big story and all that kind of stuff. And I understand it. It's a very real, like, real-world, on-the-ground, feet-on-the-ground storyline. The only thing that makes me go, like, hmm, about it is the fact that she knows what happens in the future. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe she doesn't know as much as Barry knows, because clearly he's been studying it to create a scrapbook about it and that kind of thing. But she knows things happen in the future. So clearly, whatever she's doing now is setting up what happens in the future. It might not happen the exact same way that Barry thought it was going to, um, because I do feel like, you know, there's free will... Um, And that sort of thing where, you know, maybe the outcome will be the same, but it will happen in a different sort of way just based off of decisions and uh, butterfly effect and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, like, clearly if you've won Pulitzer Prizes in the future and you have kids, I mean, gasp, legasp. gasp. Is it too much to think that maybe you won the Pulitzer Prize after you had kids? Like, you were still working? And clearly, CCC media has grown into an empire in the future, which I believe she knows. So, I mean, she was able to somehow balance work and home life um, so we we we're, we're like watching a fantastical show that you know deals with time travel and the future and all that kind of stuff so uh, when when she's talking about like boots on the ground uh, or feet on the ground boots on the ground i think means something else uh, but feet on the ground type of real world st- storylines it you know it i can't forget the fact that great stuff happens to her in the future but i know at the time yeah. i mean she doesn't really want to think about that because we've already seen that she doesn't want to she didn't want to know anything about the scrapbook and that sort of thing um but but i, I liked barry's sort of reassurance with her like hey it'll be fine you'll be able to figure it out because once again that was sort of like a real world type of storyline
1: yeah and and i and i think you know for for you know despite the fact that you know Barry knows what the future is supposed to hold. Remember that, you know, Iris was all about, you know, freedom of choice, making her Mm -hmm. own decisions. And so from her point of view, you know, the the future could be completely remade and maybe she won't win those Pulitzer's, and maybe CC Media or CCC Media, uh, you know, won't be as big as it was, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be. And I think, you know, as you were saying, I think that's a very grown up and a natural thing for someone to encounter, you know, when they're facing the prospect of having kids, you know, it does change things. Um, you know, to, to put things in, uh, you know, there's a, a TV show airing up here uh, in Canada called Children Ruin Everything, um, which I only mentioned because uh, Megan Rath, who, you know, was, uh, you know, an occasional guest star on Supergirl, is one of the co-leads of it. And the whole uh-huh. point of it is how children fuck up your life. And um, I, I think realistically that has to be a concern that, that anyone would face going into that. You know, uh, you, know, you're, you're, you know, everything is going great in your life. Uh, you know, you're married, you're happy, you're able to flit off to Paris to make creme brulee. Um, by the way, shout out to the creme brulee, look fabulous. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think that's a very realistic, uh, you know, concern for her to have, despite, you know, what Barry claims to have seen in the future. Um, you know, you, you can't trust that the future will unroll exactly as planned. And, and I think, again, you know, as you said, I think that's a, a very grown up, mature, you know, concern that a lot of people would have. Uh, and a nice touch of realism in the episode. Uh, Barry shows up at the heist and says they'll follow Hartley's original plan. Hartley will get the engine, but he has to buy out the rest of the team, which was kind of cute. As the rest of the team goes, "Yes, a quarter of a million. And Hartley's going, "What?" Uh, and instead of revealing his identity to the team, Jacko says he figured it out already, even if Goldface didn't, uh, which I thought was a nice little touch for Jacko. Um, you know, to the, the you know who was you know being played throughout the entire episode as the dumb guy. Uh, the guy who figured it out and basically saying, you know, it's obvious. I mean, look at him. And also they have the same coffee. order. Yes.
2: Which uh, I was like, that's... Barry Allen. What the hell? You have the exact same coffee order as the Flash.
1: Look, Barry's pretty sloppy about hiding his identity. We all know that. True. Um. The heist begins and goes super smooth at first, but Mark double-crosses the team. He's working for the mysterious benefactor. Hartley prepares to go help Barry, but he's engaged by Murmur, while Jacko's engaged by Fiddler, and Goldface is engaged by Boomerang. You know what? I was honestly surprised by Mark's heel turn. I mean, Mark's face is in the opening show credits, so the turn took me by surprise. Dimitri, you're not a fan of Mark, have never been a fan of Mark or <laughs> Uh Were you surprised by the turn? And follow-up. Is Mark playing some sort of double bluff? I'll repeat: he's a series regular, and his face is in the show opening.
0: I was surprised largely because, as you said, his face is in the show opening, um, and also, while this is a, a believable turn, it uh, it isn't like the Flash usually doesn't have characters that are this complicated. Is is the the <laughs> most straightforward I feel like way to put shade that shade in a big way um i was expecting somebody to maybe turn on him um but once they all kind of abandoned him i was like okay that's the betrayal that you get for an episode like this um and i wasn't expecting it anymore so when there was you know the the secondary betrayal um i with with chill i was i was taken by surprise largely because one you know you expect the guy who's like this is what my dead girlfriend of two minutes would have wanted to be the least likely to to betray them um because it, it just seems like a like a stronger calling like you would expect like people who are motivated purely by money uh or you know some sort of like uh you know less less emotional attachment to um to turn on barry so i was i was expecting goldface to uh to betray him um but uh since jacko has his kid and uh uh Joe blaine uh has um you know Frost's memory for uh what what that's worth um <laughs> but uh but uh, you're, you're evil. I, it, it was a, it was it was a, um, it was a, a shock. Um, given that I already don't think characters are on this show uh, that are that complicated, I would be shocked if this is a. What are we up to now? Quadruple bluff, and he's secretly playing the the bad guys to support the good guys that he's trying to double. Honestly, like, that would be a bit much for me. Um, I think the uh, the interaction that we saw between him and Red Death seemed to solidify that he really had betrayed them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he's like, I shouldn't have supported Red Death. That wig is horrifying, and, you know, I shouldn't <laughs> betray Frost's friends because we dated for 20 minutes so i'm gonna you know switch sides again and come back to team flash i think that's the more likely outcome but you know i could be wrong
1: although frost did have a terrible wig so maybe he was you know biased oh in that. he
0: likes the bad wigs fair
1: yeah oh I mean, she has a terrible wig now Mark confronts Barry and says he has no choice, <laughs> who tells Barry that he had no choice but to join a benefactor because they promised help bring Frost back. Mark knocks Barry out, takes the engine. The good rogues fight the bad rogues. Uh, shout out to Hartley for knowing ASL. And also, you know, a little shout out to the Flash writers for including an ASL scene. Uh, Jacko makes a romantic connection with Fiddler over Nine Inch Nails. She so kicks his butt. Uh, Goldface faces off against Boomerang. Not a lot of fighting, but Jeff... What would you think about the, uh, the fight scenes? Uh, I, you know, uh, this is kind of funny. I really thought from the moment we saw Fiddler facing off against Jacko, just the way they were framed, I thought to myself, this looks like a meat cute. And turns out it was.
2: Oh, Lord. I didn't see that coming. And it, it, was, it was a little cringe. Because um, she's kind of cringe. And apparently he's the hotness. And so he melted her. Um, it, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming, I don't know if I approve, uh, of that ship, I don't have a ticket on that tugboat, um, but yeah, bond, uh, it's funny how you you said they bonded over Nine Inch Nails, and now I have, like, an image of, like, her having Nine Inch Nails, and him, like, really liking them, and so that's why they bonded, but anyway, um, everyone else... Uh, I enjoyed the gold face moment just because Boomerang seemed very excited to, like, finally be up against, like, a formidable foe. Uh, I also enjoyed when the Boomerang came back and, like, sliced his head. And it was, like, gold under there, but then it, like, self-healed. So it was kind of neat for, like, a little VFX moment. Then the ASL fight uh, was fascinating to watch. Uh, But, like, it was like, Murmur was trying to, like, lure Hartley over to the dark side, but it didn't work. And, um, yeah, like, it it wasn't much of a fight. I'm very worried that when they fight again, it's not going to be much of a fight again. So, I hope that uh, the uh, good rogues end up, like beefing up their fight training because uh yeah they didn't do so well this time around and i get why we have the good rogues and the bad rogues so that you know we have kind of like a what's this episode called uh rogues of war so we have a rogue war at a certain point you know because there's you know the boss the bad one uh red death and we have the good one uh, with the flash and then you have their their rogues to fight each other while the the big guns end up fighting so i i get the visual they just need to step things up because clearly um hotness wasn't that hot uh goldface i believe could have handled himself and uh poor hartley um yeah just ended up getting tossed like a rag doll
1: well it's interesting you you mentioned that that you know sort of setting up you know the the next fight because it felt to me like the classic superhero trope with good guys getting beaten the first time but then they'll come back for the bigger, better fight later when they win. So count that as my second surprise of the episode because there is that final confrontation where they line up against each other. But the heroes, instead of the fight breaking out that you were expecting, the big CG laden where the heroes turn the tide. And and this time they win, possibly by the classic superhero trope of switching partners and you know fighting different people. Um, instead, this time, they're all taken down by the mysterious speedster Red Death. Um, now. Barry's a speedster himself. He shouldn't have spent so much time posing. They spent a lot of time lining up and posing before Red Death actually showed up to take them down. But anyway, yeah. this isn't quite our first introduction to Red Death, but it's the first time we really see them in action. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I was surprised by the sudden appearance, and and you know, I thought they seemed quite menacing. Dimitri, what did you think about our uh, our introduction to Red Death in action?
0: Um, Absolutely didn't surprise me. The only thing that surprised me was... They all get into position, and I was expecting them to completely dust the bad rogues, and then Red Death shows up, and whoops, all of them. Like the fact that Red Death just was like, "I'm, I'm not even gonna trust my guys. Like, let me handle this myself." Was it, it felt a little anticlimactic? I think, especially given that they all spent so much time posing as if it. A- it's almost like the Arrowverse pose. Like everyone takes like this exaggerated fighting position on one side. Everyone takes the same position on the other side. Uh, We saw it in black lightning. We saw it in arrow. We've seen it in every single crossover. Um, But uh, it did feel like it was going to lead to a big battle. And I was expecting at the end of the big battle, they're going to win. But then, Red Death is going to come and take the engine anyway. I wasn't expecting Red Death to be like, "Up, oh, we don't have the budget to shoot that scene. Let me just swoop in and jack the engine right now. Um, I think, you know... Red Death and, is also in control of the accountants. Yep, yeah. Um, and I guess that does serve to add some credibility to how menacing Red Death is. Um, and, you know, I wasn't super bothered by... Red Death's, you know, henchmen, because, again, there's a lady who plays a violin cannon. She's a fiddler. Um, Right, yeah. It makes sense now. Um, So, you know, I could have gone either way, but it did feel like we were building up to this big fight that then didn't happen.
2: Can I also just add to the fact that we had our good rogues walk into the DOD facility like undercover, but yet somehow under that like really plain jumpsuity type of thing that they had on, they had their rogue um uniforms under there <laughs> like ready to go. You know, Chill Blaine with the that weird open jacket with the fur thing on it and uh Hartley with his hoodie, Goldface with his suits, Hotness with that, like it, it was. It was under there, like it was, or they were like they brought it so that they could do a quick change instead of remaining undercover. Like that was yeah, just yeah. The so only
1: one that bothered me was uh, was Chillblains, uh, you know, because his sort of like you know Craven cosplay. Yes, um, that's what it, it is. Uh, it's was so ridiculous, whereas, you know, Hartley only had to, like, pull out a hood, and suddenly he's, you know, um, and, you know, uh, Jacko could have been wearing a T-shirt under his uh, overalls, but, uh, yeah, that, that was a little odd, and, you know, obviously setting up, you know, the final scenes. So it was Rose very Siegfried and Roy- Um, Anyway, so after Red Death, uh, you know, mops up uh, Barry and his team, Barry asks the rogue squad for their help, uh, and they agree, telling Barry to find out who Red Death is, what their weakness is, and then call them. Chester explains to Team Flash that the bad rogue tech represents Wayne tech, but it's far more advanced. He also reveals that Ryan Wilder, a.k.a. Batwoman, is apparently missing, but she's not missing for long, because in the stinger at the Red Death's lair, Mark wants what he's promised, but Red Death changes the deal. Shades of Darth Vader here. Um, Empire Strikes Back. Look it up, people. Mark says he can't trust them because he doesn't know who's under the mask. So red death unmasked. And it's, spoiler alert, Dimitri, Ryan Wilder doing some Cruella DeVille cosplay <laughs> with a white streak in her hair. She corners Mark and says, I am vengeance. Uh, what did you think about the reveal that really wasn't much of a reveal? So, again, apologies for last week, Dimitri. I'd, honestly, I kind of hoped Javisio was going to say, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman! A little shout-out to Batman, the animated series, and R.I.P. Kevin Conroy, but even I have to admit that would be a step too far. So I'll open this up to both of you. I'll start with Jeff. Uh, what did you think of the reveal of Javicia? We knew who it was going to be, but we didn't know about the Cruella Deville streak in her hair. Um, what did you think of the, about the way the, uh, the episode wrapped up?
2: Okay, well, she would have said, I am Batwoman. I mean, let's, let's get it right. Yeah. Yes. Okay,
1: the hair
2: was a choice and maybe i'll leave it at that as far as the hair. The hair was a choice. But my assumption is that we're supposed to be seeing a batwoman of the future? Question mark. I mean they they've said all these hints about it's Wayne tech, but it's really really advanced. And you know what's really really advanced? The future. So that's my assumption. Um, okay, to rewind a little bit, the Luke Fox shout out was amazing seeing him via like Skype would have been really nice just because we enjoyed Luke on uh, Batwoman so that would have been a nice little you know like 10 seconds to to caught up with the previous character or a previously seen character on a different show uh, but at least the shout out was very nice um clearly when we saw the um cracked bat light up symbol on uh, red death like close up many times and like right in Barry's face like hello um you need to start getting your the wheels turning in your brain like come on figure it out um so the line of that she went missing a couple weeks ago while doing a patrol thing that was interesting and I will say this Javicia Leslie was incredibly convincing as a sort of psychopathic Batwoman, you know, I want revenge, and, you know, she sold it for me, is basically what I'm saying, with just that one line, Uh, I am vengeance. Like, that was really, really good. My concern with this storyline is just this. We have been with, that sounds strange, we have known Ryan Wilder for a moment, right? Like, we know her as a character, we know her set of values. She's a hero. Like she is the epitome of a hero in Gotham City. Yes, she did have a couple little moments when she wanted uh, vengeance on, on Alice. I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive and forget that for this. I just can't see how the Ryan Wilder that we knew became this person. Um, because I'm assuming she's playing Ryan Wilder at an older age, not to say that you can't have gray in your hair, I mean, you can get it in your 30s, um, but because, you know, the the questionable wig, um, had a lot of whites, I'm assuming she's supposed to be an older Ryan Wilder that saw some shit, and that is what has changed her and that sort of thing. Uh, But just before I just let me finish this, I I just in my mind, I just can't imagine it, you know, based off of everything that we know about Ryan Wilder, I can't see her become this person, this older Ryan Wilder that has gone batshit crazy, Uh, uh, batshit crazy. She's bad woman. But um, so I hope that there is a good story as to why this is happening. There's a part of me that somehow uh, and I'm so scared to even say this aloud there's a part of me that's very worried that this is, this is a machination of that man, and this is going to be how this man returns. And by that man, I mean the reverse Flash. So, um, yeah, so I just hope that we get a good explanation as to how she became this person. Because I just can't see the Ryan Wilder that we know fighting against another superhero. Anyway. Jeff,
0: did you watch the next episode preview?
2: I did, but I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to get into that because I don't know if the professor has seen it.
1: I didn't see it, so no one say anything about it. Okay,
0: well, in that case... Um... All
1: right, let's just move on. Oh, okay. Wait, don't you have
0: an opinion about the I, wi- I what... she, Right, Will Javicia you know... Leslie got what, Wiggy yeah. with it. I yeah, mean, comment yeah, on the yeah, wiggle. Like, Javicia Leslie, his one of the most beautiful women on she's television. She's gorgeous,
2: and she's clearly playing an older version, but, and we know Black Don't Crack. So, I mean, she could play older, even with that horrible wig, but that
0: I, that I, wig... I, I have to say that wig was so bad that, like, it... You know, I think every time Javisha Leslie is on screen, like, my heart flutters slightly, and... The wig was so phenomenally horrible that this was the one time that didn't happen. I, I hope like, she I got workman's compensation
2: like, for the wig. Like, <laughs> like
0: I, I, I could not keep a straight face. Like it was so so terrible. And, and you know, I I have my thoughts as to why Ryan Wilder is now a villain. Do we think it's because she's dead, right? Sophie's don't dead. I don't how to discuss this without, the, without getting into the next episode preview. Cause. You can, because there's nothing in the preview that he alludes to what I just said.
2: I think Sophie's dead. She blames the Flash, and that is what led her to down this path. And, and in my opinion, somehow that stupid motherfucker is going to be involved in this, the fucking reverse Flash. And he he might have convinced her to whatever, whatever, and that's – because um, what's – what, okay, so what's – okay, this is what she's going to do. I'm going to blow all y'all's mind. So she's trying to go back in time so that Sophie doesn't die, and that's going to cause a flashpoint situation, and somehow the reverse flash will be coming back because of this freaking – flashpoint situation and that's how he's going to end up being the big bad for like the final two episodes of uh, the season slash series and then finally Barry's going to somehow hoodwink the reverse flash and Iris is going to shotgun him in the face and that's how he's dead forever you're welcome I don't know
0: about Iris killing him
2: Iris kills everybody so yes she will be the one to kill him Barry
0: Allen is not going to stick his hand
2: in his heart and pull it out like although he should.
0: slays, but you know, so far, I mean, she killed Zoom. Sure. She did, but I mean, no, she killed Savitar. Oh, Savitar! Sorry, yes. But I mean, fucking Savitar. Uh, but um, I I have a feeling you might be right. I don't want to be right. I don't want
2: that man back. But clearly, it's the series finale, so they're going to bring him back. Uh, well, they just they, brought him they, back they, way
0: too many times. They they have it's overplayed. Like part of me says like he should come back because it's the finale. Part of me says he shouldn't come back because that's just what they do every time. He's been in every iTunes. season finale. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. I I it's a shame. I I do think you're right. I so I do think um they they hinted the episode preview that you know Red Death is using the negative speed force. Um so You know, it does seem like we did get a hint in the first Nora season that the negative speed force alters your personality. So I do think that probably Thawne persuaded Ryan to use the negative speed force and maybe Ryan did it with good intentions, not knowing it would alter her personality. I do think, you know, that is an interesting idea that Sophie could be dead. I don't want it to happen. That's the uh, only way that I think Wild she would War go crazy. Is, I mean, yes, but... You
2: think she's going to go this crazy put, if Mary died? I mean, I no mean, offense to Mary. She's wonderful. I would, she's a precious but, cinnamon uh, roll that should be protected at all costs. But she's not going to go that crazy if Mary died. It
0: is Sophie. Well, so Sophie's the, dead. The thing, she blames the, the Flash. The only thing that holds me back from that is I feel like if Sophie had died, Luke would have mentioned that on the phone.
2: no, 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 uh, no, no. I think Ryan Wilder was somehow kidnapped. Oh, maybe by the reverse flash. Somehow sent to the future. Sophie's dead. And then she, that's when she um,
0: goes batshit. Interesting.
1: I, well, she wouldn't have to even have to have been kidnapped and sent to the future. If she's that old, she could have just lived to that point in the future. Oh, there you go. But she's also missing.
0: She also went missing recently, right? No,
2: but that's recently missing. Like, she could have, like, let's say... A reverse Flash pulls her out. She comes back six months later. Uh, it, this is still in the in the time when she's missing. So she comes back in about six months, lives her life, and then somehow, you know, uh, the reverse Flash probably posing as the Flash. Oh, this is interesting. The reverse Flash, once again, because he's done this before, he poses as the Flash, kills Sophie, um... Ryan Wilder is at her darkest point. She is so traumatized that her ally, a fellow hero, would kill her wife uh, in front of her kids. You know, let's make it a horrible, let's make it a horrible situation in front of her kids. And so then the reverse flash is like, "I know what that feels like. You need to get your vengeance on him and create a flashpoint. Go back in time, make the treadmill." <laughs> All this shit sounds crazy. but um, And that's what she does. There you go. There, boom. Uh, uh, professor, you chimed in on the, the wig. The rest
0: of the season, or has Jeff just kind of got it? <laughs> I hate, I hope that I'm not right in any of this. but I, I, probably I have am. a disturbing feeling that A good portion of what you said is right.
2: All right, let's bookmark this. Let's go back to this later on.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, Professor,
2: you haven't given us your thoughts on the wig. And you have been very forgiving at horrible wigs in the past. Remember our girl over on Supergirl? um, She had a very bad wig on, but you defended it until, uh, you know, the series ended. Um, Are you going to give a controversial take on this wig? Did you actually enjoy gilf? realness that javicia leslie was giving us
1: no i mean even for me this uh this wig was a step too far <laughs> okay. uh, i don't know about uh you know the uh, the speculations about um uh ryan and all that um I, I think you know we've only got her for two more episodes so it seems to me what oh, we're talking about more? is something that would span out over you know the entire end of the series and um, it, it feels to me because, like, you know, the next two episodes are, I think, Mask of the Red Death and part one and part two. And I don't think Javisi is coming back for anything more than that. So ah. I don't know if it's going to be quite as long term as you're thinking. Um, Wait,
0: how do you know that it's only two more He episodes? looked on IMDb
2: and spoiled himself.
1: No, ah. no, I just think that it's because I know next week's is called Mask of the Red Death part one. So I'm guessing the one after that is called part two.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that would be, uh, yeah. Could you imagine if it's part three?
1: The coming back, they, they didn't say it was for any sort of long-term arc or anything like that. It well, was then, only going to be a couple Can I ago.
2: ask you, Professor, because I know that you are the comic book aficionado. You know how this storyline plays out in the comics. Clearly, it's, it's very different on the show. Uh, you know, uh, it's not Batman. It isn't sort of like...
1: So different that I, I don't think there's, there's any, any connection. Okay. In the as I mentioned before, this was like a flashpoint thing. The, the this was the Thomas Wayne version of Batman who you know becomes the Red Death. But yeah, this is you know completely different.
2: Okay, so then give me your crackpot, crackhead theory on how Ryan Wilder, our Ryan Wilder, our wonderful, you know, fantastic, redonkulously heroic Ryan Wilder from Batwoman, the wonderful show that we enjoyed the final two seasons, not whatever it was in the year one, how does she go from being that bastion of hope in Gotham City to this ridiculously wiggy woman?
1: Um, I think it's got to be more than just uh, the death of Sophie, although I think that could certainly play a role. I think we're going to find out she's from a very dystopian future where like, things are really, really, really bad. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, presumably she's blaming the Flash for that. Um, uh, and again, you know, it almost has to be that she's blaming the Flash because why would she come to Central City? You know, why wouldn't she just try to put these pieces together and then use them in Gotham? If if all she's trying to do is create her own Flashpoint of going back in the past and, you know, undoing the past, why is she bothering to torment the Flash? Um, so I think there has to be some sort of payoff in that. I don't think it's reverse Flash. Um, it just seems like that's a little too on the nose and i think honestly if you were going to have a reverse flash reveal they would save it for later in the season um i you know we'll only be four or five episodes into it um you know over the next two episodes so i mean if they were revealing that as the the big surprise to the end of it um i just i don't see that happening for whatever reason um but yeah i think she's like you know batwoman of a dystopian future and you know um has decided to go back and fix things um that would make sense but, uh, yeah, as to, you know, what those motivations are, as I say, I, I didn't see the uh, preview for next week, so I don't want to, uh, to speculate too much. But I, I think we will have to get some, some explanation of, uh, of how, how, how exactly uh, Ryan Wilder broke so bad. Uh, so, before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention? An Easter egg, a great moment, or a moment of cringe?
2: That wig was atrocious. I know we have mentioned it, but, you know... I feel like it needed to be said again.
1: Okay, time for the MVP section. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Uh, I don't remember who I chose first last time, so I'm just going to go with Jeff. Jeff, state which character impressed you throughout the episode and why.
2: Yay. A gold face. Fantastic. From beginning to end. Uh, incredibly entertaining. Charming, as always. Uh, just spectacular. And once again, I noticed his height in this episode. It was just really blatantly obvious that he's ridiculously tall. But, um, but yeah, he was just fantastic from beginning to end. Just incredibly enjoyable. A rogue that I do not mind seeing again and again, because he's always just... So much fun. So yes, for me, 100% Goldface, although a little sad about the breakup and that he turned on the, the wonderful um, meta human trafficker, Amunit Black. Uh, but uh, yes, he was a joy.
1: Fingers crossed that we'll get that long-awaited Goldface-Cecile Horton uh, team up. Although yes! he's saying in a very wide shot in order to get them both in frame. Dimitri, who is your MVP and why?
0: I hated the the meat cute but Jacko was weirdly entertaining this whole episode. There, there was something endearing about, like, all right, well, I'm not, like, you know, a saint, but also I have a kid here, so, you know, I'll help you out. And, you know, I do need to pay for his tuition, though, so can you pay me? So I, I just found him so relatable. I found him such an empathetic character. Um... Even though I hate, hate, hate the name, the hotness. Um, <laughs> I was about I, to I, say I, you like the hotness. I, 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 you know, I hate the the name, but you know, I, I just found him probably the most relatable character throughout this whole, uh, you know, the journey that was this episode. Well, I'm going to the
1: theme of A, choosing a Rogue, and B, choosing the character I'm most related to. I'm going to choose Hartley because he was such a dick in the episode. Um, you know, just playing it, – it was justified. I mean, that was his character, and he played it like that all the way through. I thought he was great. I loved his ASL scene. It was great to find out he knew that, um, and uh, I just thought his character was so consistent. At no point did you get the sense that, uh, you know, the actor playing Hartley was like mm. – I don't want to, you know, make him seem too too much of a jerk. I want to, you know, file the edges off. He was just playing him straight out, "Hey, I'm a dick, but I'm a brilliant dick and you're all going to have to deal with that." And I think, you know, my co-host on this episode will realize where I'm coming from on that. So, now let's move on to rating the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Unusually and channeling my inner heart, I'm going to be a dick and go first. I love this episode. I really, really loved this episode. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I just found it. I just enjoyed this episode like I haven't enjoyed an episode of The Flash in a very long time. I loved the rogues, despite all the stuff we talked about that we didn't quite like. Um, I, I love the West Allen stuff. Um, the wig did not bother me as much as it bothered you guys. <laughs> um, I think this was a very rewatchable episode. I would watch this episode again just you know for the the interplay between them. Um, and also, you know, because, you know, curious to see what happens when we get the reveals about what Mark was up to, you know, why, uh, red death, uh, broke bad. Um, I think that, uh, this will be an episode that, that, uh, that stands up to multiple rewatching. So I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10, not quite archive worthy, but still damned enjoyable. And, uh, before Dimitri can shit all over that, Jeff, how would you rate this episode?
2: I had a feeling the truth was going to come out. We wouldn't get a final plot twist and that you would be pro wig
1: not it wasn't quite that far but i would like to point out that you know and this is you know a deep cut reference but you know when they did break the creme brulee they used a spoon not a fork because you use a spoon on creme brulee like you use a fork on pie
2: yes yeah that that is a deep cut from a different podcast but it deep deep cut Okay, um, the conversation actually talked me up just a hair, because I did find myself enjoying the conversation about this episode. I was going to come in at around 7.5, but I'm going to give it a solid 8. Because, yes, I I do have nitpicks about this entire episode. There, There were a couple moments that bugged me, the Chester and Allegra thing, which fortunately we just glossed over. We didn't even talk about poor Keone. Um, realizing that uh, Allegra was smitten with uh, Chester. Uh, maybe we don't have to. But um, So we looked over that, and I still do have an issue as to, like, you don't trust us, but, like, you were saying untrustworthy stuff, so clearly he's not going to trust you. And But that was a setup for him to reveal himself, and we did have a nice reveal with Jocko figuring out. I get it. Um, But overall, it was still an enjoyable episode. So, because of the enjoyment and the West Allen goodness, and even though the wig was atrocious, no matter what the hell the professor was just saying about trying to justify it, it, the wig was bad. Like as bad as like those like um, I Am Oliver Queen in a flashback type of wigs. Like it was just it's bad, 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 bad. And and that one wig um, that Alex wore on um, Supergirl. Just bad. But um, Javicia Leslie was actually really good. Like, she brought villainy to the forefront. And I'm so used to her being a hero that it is going to be interesting seeing her play a villain. I just need a good backstory about it. Because I still don't understand how our Ryan became her. Um, but yeah, I, I will give it an eight. It, it it isn't a horrible episode, and there are elements of it that are good. And our conversation, weirdly, even though we did bitch about it a bit, it, it talked me up at least half a point. So uh, you're welcome, Professor.
1: Well, remember my headcanon is that you know uh, Ryan Wilder is from a dark dystopian, dystopian future where presumably hair care isn't as important as it is true in the contemporary. So maybe where um, my hair looks that way.
2: Maybe where the Queen kids are from.
1: Hey, could be. Yeah. Uh, Dimitri, how would you rate the episode? I'm in shock. I
0: cannot believe somebody rated this a ten. Right, um, and, but... and
1: wait, this can episode, you? I chuckled. I went back. I rewatched certain scenes. I really enjoyed this episode.
2: No, but can you believe that he slightly defended the wig? He's trying to pretend like he I did it, but
1: the wig. I'm not defending a wig. I'm justifying the hair choice. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if I've learned anything in life, it is not to question a black woman's hair. That is true. Oh,
2: that is true. Although I don't feel like it's her hair because she didn't buy it. Like they they put that thing
0: on her. Right, Dimitri? I
1: don't know that Javisha may have uh you know dyed <laughs> a skunk stripe in her hair. She I, she could be going back on no. this.
0: No, I, I I don't think she did. Uh We will she, not
1: besmirch
0: Javicia I, Leslie's I real would, hair. I, I would be very sad if if it turned out that was the I would question everything I know about physics. Um, but also, yeah, I, I don't think that was her real hair. But um, I, I also can't believe you loved this episode. I'm going to give this a 7. There were moments that were chuckle-worthy. There were moments that subverted my expectations. But the overall plot is still very, like, wooden. You know, the the interplay between so many characters feels really forced. Even the meet-cute scene, it felt like, you know, this is us writers trying to be funny and clever, and it it really isn't coming across as funny or as clever. Um, Yeah, uh, it just... Even even the conversation between Barry and Iris, like, didn't really make sense to me. Um, Like, Barry is the Flash. How is she worried about not having enough time to do things when her husband has super speed like it it the whole thing just this still lacked uh like anything that got me deeply invested until Javisha showed up so for that reason I'm giving it a seven
2: did you enjoy Keown in this episode of uh, Dimitri
0: Oddly enough, Keon was a contender for MVP. Oh, I, what? And both I, of you laughed at me last week. I frost. But oddly, Kion, I guess maybe because she's supposed to be basically like a Martian. Like, she's never lived. She knows nothing. So, you know, she doesn't have to be a believable character. But, like, a lot of Keon's dialogue and stuff, you know sold me it was giving me like kind of mantis from um guardians of the galaxy vibes. I like I was like, okay, you know, it's better than Frost. Um uh, for sure. Um Frost was not believable as like a fifties black and white movie era gangster. But like Kion is believable as like, you know, E. T s <laughs> um, e t yeah so uh yeah i I found her oddly like inoffensive um this nice. episode both uh, of you
2: have tickets to the keon
1: train
0: now for yeah, yeah.
1: as much but, a... you
0: know uh um, sorry you know while we're giving hair feedback, you know there's no reason for the random blue yarn in her hair like put it down it's supposed to be
2: a callback to, like, Frost, I think. You know? Frost,
0: the uh, Frost did a lot of nitty? <laughs> yes.
1: Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City of Citizen, and don't forget to check out our new spin-off podcast, Wigging Out, our weekly in-depth look at the hair of the Arrowverse. In the meantime, here's our announcement to remind you on how you can interact with us.
2: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at radio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting PoppyChulaRadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City
1: Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, now for my co-host. Please wish the listeners good night, starting with Dimitri. Good night, Central City. And Jeff.
2: Good night, Central City, Gotham City, and, and I guess the Gotham City of the future.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Central City Citizen by Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychuloradiocom slash archives. Good night. In the meantime, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thanks, announcer.
2: <laughs> Professor, can I tell you, when your pooch, you said, uh, here's our announcer, and then your pooch goes, row, row, and then yeah. you said, thanks, announcer. Uh,
1: the timing of it was uh, was inauspicious.
0: It was that, magical. That was, that was more perfect comedic timing than has been displayed in... The last five seasons of The Flesh.
1: I wasn't sure whether it would be picked up because the dog (laughs) is upstairs, uh, (laughs) and I'm downstairs. But uh, apparently...